Yes, we should do. I feel like our energy is so significantly <laughs> low, low. lower than, than our failed attempt. The morale has really come down. Although hopefully I should be able to save that. Okay. The audio is very But bad. I'm still funny, right? But um, we're still funny. Yeah. So that's all that counts really. Um, I do a good Stuart Lee impression. You do? It's great. You've missed out, folks. It might go on the Export Audio Patreon, so maybe pay for it, I guess. Maybe pay for it if you want to hear Josie's great impression uh, of the comedian Stuart Lee. <laughs> yes, and our bad audio. Yes. This deserves your honey. Deserves and your time. And your blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, great. Great. So, huh, uh, do you want to introduce yourself first? Or shall well, it's traditional for you to go first. And you were born first. Yeah, I feel like the Chancellor should go first, and then the Vice Chancellor should go second. Walk without rhythm. It won't attract the worm. My name is Josie. Josie, and you're here to say I like to Dune in a major way. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> that came from like pure panic and sense memory. Like my fight or flight instinct kicked in. Just the way that you said that <laughs> made me unable to do anything else, including not say anything. Um, yes. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, mm-hmm. I am the Chancellor of the University. Uh, we have a reputation for excellence and personal fulfillment mm-hmm. here at this highly vaunted academic institution. We welcome yep. you, visitors, uh, to consider if you're worthy of enrolling. Yep. We're taking personal statements in our Twitter DM. Yes. Scholarships are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, upon interview. Uh huh. Um, I'm Ray. Yes. The vice chancellor of the university, mm-hmm. and I'm here to talk about things and stuff. And um, I'm the one who's profiting off of your uh tuition fees that you'll be in debt for for the rest of your life. Oh, great! Yeah, isn't it good? I'm gonna buy a big house. Let's Children. Begin. Let's begin the podcast. Put it on my mortarboard right now. Ah, yes, brother. Let us begin the podcast. Yes, brother. Let us ah. begin the podcast. Brother, let us begin the podcast. All right. Um, so, yes, let me uh, read the introductory quotation from the chapter, um, which goes like this. How do we approach the study of Muad'Dib's father? A man of surpassing warmth and surprising coldness was the Duke Leto Atreides. Yet, many facts open the way to this duke, his abiding love for his Bene Gesserit lady, the dreams he held for his son, the devotion with which men served him. You see him there, a man snared by destiny. destiny. Can you put some reverb destiny. on destiny when I say destiny? Shall we say destiny lots of times, like we're echoing each yes. other? Yes, destiny. Okay. Destiny. 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 Is this good? Destiny. Okay, great. Destiny. Destiny. Um, a lonely figure with his light dimmed behind the glory of his sun. Still, one must ask, what is the sun but an extension of the father? 
from Wadib Family Commentaries by the Princess Irulan. Thank you, Princess Irulan. You honoured Princess Irulan by doing her voice. Thank you. Thank you, Princess, for possessing me and speaking through my mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's exactly what she does. Uh So, I mean, interesting chapter. Real grown folks chapter, if you ask me. Actually, well, both this of them. Is, this is still the ba- a baby chapter ba- because Paul is a but baby. Paul is not. I would argue. I would argue. I posit. Paul is not the main yeah. focus of the chapter. No, the chapter indeed. is from the point of view of Daddy. No, indeed, the Duke, his father, is the main focus of the chapter, and we must treat it as such. Indeed. Um, indeed, I mean, yes. And, and we don't go full grown folks. We don't get full mm. mommy and daddy's secret time. Until yeah, next, that's chapter, next chapter, but, uh, you know, which we may or may not do this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we need to give it actual. It has. There is so much. There's so much next chapter, and also there's so much to say about. You know, it. Ray prepared some um, really good notes, and I didn't prepare any notes. Yes, um, I'm going to summarize this chapter very quickly. Please do, because I am unprepared to do so. Yes. So, Paul Paul sees his dad. Um, and he doesn't get to see us there very much, so it's kind of, it's very meaningful to him, and he's sort of excited about it. Um, and the Duke, his father, um, explains, well, uh, he's kind of proud of Paul in a very dukely way, and he's sort of having a hard time resetting into, into dad mode. Yeah. Which is interesting, I think. Mm. Um, he sort of and, reads the political uh, yeah. potential in his son. Doesn't really mm-hmm. acknowledge him as a person, which I yes, or make, his son. It make a me sad. Yes. Um, it make a me sad. It'll make a me sad. It'll make me sad. I'm making it a Jamie Oliver. I'm making the Jamie Oliver. You're going to see it with the, the hand gesture. People can't see the hand. No, I know. I think you're gonna have podcast. to. What? 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 How? Okay. How do we? How do I get across to you what the hand gesture is? I think that's enough. Let me finish the summary. Think about a spicy meatball and so yes, a spicy meatball, and I'm wafting it around. Uh, you making the Jamie Oliver emphatically? I made it the Jamie Oliver. Mm. Anyway, this chapter. So the Duke um, is kind of speaking to Paul about what the the move is going to be from their home on Caladan to their their new home on Arrakis, and the Duke kind of, with, through a conversation with Paul, does a lot of exposition about um, what he knows about the plot that's happening against him between the the Lansrad houses, um, the Emperor, and the Harkonnens. Um, and he sort of explains how he's treating this kind of political cold war like it's a one-to-one combat and he's fainting and he's trying to predict moves and he's um, knowingly walking into this trap with the idea that he can uh, overcome it. And I think it's been it's been made pretty clear throughout the duration of this book that he will not... Mm. No, he's going to get fucked up and we get, we get told this on like the first page. It's really great. It's like everybody, just so you know, this person is going here to die. Yeah, there's there's lots of dramatic irony in this book, which I really appreciate. Um, I prefer, I really like in stories, knowing what's going to happen and seeing how the characters work it out, <laughs> rather than trying to work out. That's so typical. What, 
of you. Yeah? You hate suspense. You do. Probably. You just can't deal with it. Yeah. I mean, I like I like to know what's happening in there, see the characters work that out, I guess. Um, and I hate puzzles and thinking. I'm very stupid. Anyway. Oh, no, Ray. Oh. <laughs> let, me make, let me make jokes. I'm, I'm an, a, an idiot genius. Anyway, um, yes. so he talks more about the world and the political machinations that are happening and um, what they'll have on Arrakis and what that sort of will be. Um, I mean, it's like 98% exposition about political machinations. Yeah. And then he's like, ooh, I cannot wait to exploit the f- the Fremen and use them as my secret army while appearing to be protecting them and to be kind. I'm just going to use them. Well, as, what he says about know, the, f- the Fremen is really interesting and he will go into it in a bit more. We will go into it in a bit more depth. Let me finish my summary. Okay, damn. Okay. You never let me finish my summary. I want to chip in and be helpful and useful. You're not being helpful or useful. Oh we'll talk God. about this stuff later. We'll talk about this off the mic. I'm sorry, tensions are so high because it's 9pm. <laughs> we both hate each other. Because <laughs> uh, it's 9pm. Um, they talk about the Spacing Guild and Paul is like, I'm going to look at them. And um, later is like, no, you're not. Um, also, so this they- aircraft carrier, is this, this sort of you know space machine is so big that it is like extremely big and... We'll be wow, in the corner. It's so of it. big that it's extremely big. <laughs> it's so big that it's extremely big. Useful addition, thank you. Shut up. Don't be so mean. I'm um, <laughs> uh, they talk about mutation and stuff, that's interesting. And then you know, the Mentat thing that we spoke about last episode happens. The Mentat the Mentat swing, which is so good. It's like Me? A Mentat? Um, but I, Father, oh. I <laughs> but I thought the men. Oh, <laughs> oh, you stupid boy! You stupid oh, boy. we love you, but you're yeah. not the brightest. And then the Duke does a creepy skull-like smile, and then the chapter ends. Thank you. Thank now you. we can begin the discussion of things. Thank you, Ray, for having summarized. You're so welcome. Very beautifully and nice. Mm-hmm. I did a good job. Thank you. Yes. So, uh, the interesting <laughs> things in this chapter, I think, are the political explanations. And mm-hmm. I mean, I have to say, I while I was reading this chapter, I made it a priority to actually go into the glossary and read all the definitions. Um, and I got a teensy bit spoiled, but mostly I got clued up on what is what. Oh, do you um, want to tell me definitions? I would really like to know some. Well, I mean, I think as we get to... I mean, there, there are definitely the things that I looked up and particularly wanted to know about mm. were um, Chome, Chome, Mentats, Chome, Chome, Chome. Spacing Guild, mm-hmm. um, the uh, houses, the concept of what a house is, mm-hmm. um, and uh, let me flick. I'm flicking. I'm going mm-hmm. back and looking. Yep. <laughs> uh, I should have highlighted them. Uh, I wanted to know what Pundi Rice is. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, what's welfare? I want to. Okay, let's see if there's a, a citation. 
for Will. Yes, I'll read the bit that this comes from. So, <laughs> the Duke says, Few products escape, escape the chome touch. Oh, I can't read. Yeah. Logs, donkeys, horses, cows, lumber, dung, sharks, whale fur. <laughs> I like lumber, dung, sharks. Don't question it. It's just one of the things that we export. Sharks. Yeah, we have we have sharks. They live still. It's fine. We've got sharks. Got sharks. Yep. We've got whales with fur. There is no. There's no um uh, uh entry for whale uh, at the back. No furry whales Makes me sad. in the in the glossary here. And he says even our poor caladinin pundi rice. Mm. Pundi rice and pundi rice is a type of. Mutated rice, whose grains high in natural sugar achieve, oh. achieve lengths up to four centimeters. Chief export of Caladan. So it there's that. tasty. Sounds Big sweet, sweet rice. Delicious rice. Rice is my favorite fruit. Oh, and this this passage sort of made me sort of snap into realization about what Frank means by geriatric. Okay, read it to me because I still am not quite there. Yeah, well. Uh, he says, a handful of spice will buy a home on two pile. It cannot be manufactured. It must be mined on Arrakis. It is unique and has true geriatric properties. And what I think they mean by geriatric is like, um, so the way that you see through times is by looking through your histories and your lineage and like the histories of the body and like, you know, the kind of generational memories that are preserved and that you can access with the spice so that's what geriatric means it means like going to the old memories through your lineage through your bloodline see that's great that is actually a very good very enlightening gloss on on that particular usage i still think it is ridiculous and insane (laughs) but also geriatric literally means you know it means about medicine for old people. Yatre is, you know, like the Greek thing for doctor. So yeah. it's about old people medicine. And it's like, it is it is stupid that he used that word to convey such an interesting thing. Because mm-hmm. it makes me think about, you know, like generational trauma and inherited, like, you know, ways of communicating and stories and belief and the way that memory isn't always like, recorded in the brain it can be physical it can be like you know recorded in the body and your responses to things mm. that's super interesting super why did you call it that i mean i i do think that the way that frank herbert kind of draws this obfuscatory veil uh over the spice by using all these weird terms yeah the spice melange yeah, you know that folds tight. I guess time, that is the geriatric spice. It just yeah. it swathes it in this mystery that you. And you know the fact that the spice isn't a spice; it's a drug. It's something that's harvested. I just, my eyes just sort of lit on a bit where where Leto did Leto and Frank violated. Oh yes, some I did. Cool I did sexism. write a little arrow that said sexist. Um. Mm. Yes, I also did that. <laughs> Don't let a woman's fears cloud your mind. No woman wants her loved ones endangered. The hand behind those warnings is your mother's. Take this as a sign of her love for us. Like, 
Oh, so, women I mean, are stupid and scared. But he's saying that Don't listen the, to them. the Reverend Mother saying scary shit to Paul about Dune and the Spice and whatever is a plan, is a plot by Jessica to make them not go to Arrakis. And I'm like, hey, communicate one, with your wife. communicate with your wife. No, not your wife, your concubine. Two, um, what? Why do you have no respect for this, like, you know, this lady who's, like, really important in this really important it's organization? It's just shitty. Yeah, it's just shitty. Don't let a woman's fears cloud your One mind. One would have thought like, that 8,000 years in the future, we would have got away from this type of... I mean, the idea that listening to women would, like, diminish or, like, get in the way of male potentials, which is which are obviously much greater and more significant, okay. is bullshit. Well, okay, I mean, now you can say we did have thing. a little talk about the Chome company. Chome, Chome, Chome. Chome, 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 Chome. Combine Annette so Oba Advancer Mercantiles. So we find out Combine Annette Oba Advancer yes. Mercantiles. We don't know what I mean, that, it's what another the kind of uh, interesting use of language where you have a vague idea of what he's getting at, but um, you don't have a real good idea of what mm-hmm. he's getting at because it is highly impenetrable. No, it's but we know that it's something vague. to do with merchants and, like, and honesty, it's, it's... and it's a conglomerate, and it's over and advancing. Mm. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to look at, um, well, to to see the the way that words have been bastardized f- through mm. thousands of years of being in the future. I mean, question: Are they speaking English? Um, and because they appear I wonder, to be speaking wonder, a mixture of English, Arabic, and yeah. various other things, Latin, French. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. Frank doesn't really describe their language and doesn't really describe how they communicate across like lots of different planets and how different languages and dialects. Form. I mean, but the, yeah, we don't even get do sort of a mention of the typical fantasy um, thing of common tongue. Yeah, no, like there's no common, no. or it's not referred Which is okay. to. Okay, I common. mean, it's good. Um, I did yeah. read in the glossary um, about uh, houses. There are three entries for houses. Um, um, so I guess I'll read to you the uh, um, definitions of the houses because I think that is actually pertinent. So house, idiomatic for ruling clan of a planet or planetary system. Houses, houses major, holders of planetary fiefs, interplanetary entrepreneurs. So again, we read into this that it's an explicitly capitalist um, intergalactic society. Um, a houses minor, planet-bound entrepreneur class. So there are people who who live on planets who are minor houses who have lots of power on planets, individual ones, and then you have people who belong belong to these uh, noble families who rule multiple planets. Um, and Paul's daddy does say that he is kind of the spokesperson for the House Atreides, which is part of uh, a, a conglomerate of houses called the Lansrad, 
which is one of the factions in the Imperial, uh, I guess, situation. Uh, there, there are proper words for this. I just can't put them all together. Um, I did a lot of, I made some notes, but then I lost them. Oh, I no. lost them. Did in you? Where did you lose my them? Brain. Oh, did you? Yes. Did you make the notes just in your brain? Some, oh, shut They're up. Somewhere in Leave your me mind alone. palace. Yeah. <laughs> We've already talked about Benedict Cumberbatch once on this podcast. We don't ever have to do it again. Okay. There's a lot to say about this chapter. I just don't have any podcasting energy. God, this is so sad. This is the saddest thing in the world. I know. Like, there's, this is the sad... It's so this very, is, very this sad. This is so sad. Like if you um, cried. Leave us a review and subscribe if you cried. Oh my god. Are we actually going to put this up? Because it's just so low energy and depressing. I know. I mean, I think it might be quite funny. I might just put it on as a one-off episode and title it Failed Episode Dash Subscribe <laughs> if you to cried. put this out as um, like... We may have to do a redo of... On Sunday, Sunday, yeah. Sunday morning. I think... It'll be better. And nicer and good. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Um, okay, so the Great okay. Convention. The Great Convention is the universal truth. Truce. Truce. Enforced under the power balance maintained yes. by the Guild, the Great Houses of the Imperium. Its chief rule prohibits the use of atomic weapons against human targets. So, I mean, that gets mentioned a little bit later in the... Um, yeah. Atomics? With atomics? Asked Paul. Nothing so... Not, nothing that flagrant. No open defiance of the convention. So, but I mean, anything even else though there are these that. warring factions, the Imperium, the Great Houses, the Guild, and then all of these other things that kind yeah. of intervene and dip in and out, and the Bene Gesserit and the Chom companies and whatever. You have this thing that mm. isn't like... You know, keeps yeah. Well, keeps it's a cold war, isn't it? It's like um, yeah, the uh, like nuclear stalemate. I've just said well, I I've, didn't hear okay. it. But I mean, this was written. This was published in nineteen sixty five when everyone was at like maximum panic about nuclear weapons. Yeah, killed warfare. Yeah, big cold warfare. Um, and then the Duke is like angry at Paul because he didn't understand politics but you well know he's like oh yes that is a very educated observation when paul says something that is only just the right mm. side of obvious you know so let me let me read this i know bit like, to you. hey paul hey paul that's pretty so they talk about not the, hard. The, the purpose of the chome company few products ex- escape the chome touch and then Josie, I have to you have no out. brain. I have no brain. I have no brain. I have no brain. We could put this on at the beginning I of don't have the brain. gooder, better, nice episode that we record on Saturday yes. morning. That we record this, another day. I, this is okay. like the saddest podcast it's ever been. Oh, the saddest God. podcast I, in the world. We're both so it's not a good episode, is it? 
I mean, I feel like it, it's worked kind of well when we don't do notes, but there's just so much to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, it's getting, it's getting like sort of getting like interesting. Munchy yeah. and crunchy. It's getting munchy. But I asked, I asked a friend who does a book podcast. Uh, oh, great. Summer Twilight Book Club, where they read Twilight. Um, how they take notes. It's very good. <laughs> um, and they said that they, they said they take notes separately okay, and they compile them just before they record. And they write a script, no. which I don't want to uh, But, you know, um, it, I mean, I do a lot of meetings in my job, and I think probably a good way to do it would be to, like, make an agenda yeah. that you know what you want to say and when, and then... I know, that's like the the same thing that I do at work, so maybe we'll yeah. just make an agenda. God, isn't it terrible when yeah. adults are correct? It's bad. I know, isn't it really bad? I was... Like, um, Riley and Nora and I are working on a game together, and I keep, when we call to work on the game, I keep, like, writing an agenda and then writing minutes and then That's sending them to them. <laughs> it sucks. Why am I like um, this? It's fine. I, anyway. Uh, also, I think we should also say, and because this is sort of a nothing damp squib episode link, just to say that I listened to um, the most recent episode of Export Audio. Yes. Yeah, that one was an interesting and one. Laura and Alison are very nice about how funny we are and how good. They're very nice. Too. And also, good tweets about how Duniversity is the number one most great podcast, which is a lot to live up to. Thank you. It is true. That's maybe not true, but thank But it's you. a lot to live up to. Oh. <laughs> Other podcasts on the network are very good, and I feel like they put some if, of them have if, more work If put it into was a joke that Duniversity is the best podcast, then I'm heartbroken and I'm dying. I don't think it's a joke, but I think yes. it is them being very kind. But thank you for being kind. Alison, yeah. Nora, thank you for, for being, being kind to us. A friend. Yeah. Network. Support also, the export audio I mean, Patreon. I suppose I want to hear import audio because I'm not a subscriber, but I'm going to be a yeah. subscriber to myself, so I can hear yes. all the good outtakes. Great. All the good mistakes that I make. Fantastic. Um. Great. I have. I have. 22 audio files. <laughs> because I say it's just terrible shit all the From time. From three episodes. All yeah. of our outtakes are very good and funny, oh. but just not for the podcast. Can I hear them? Um, yes, if you want to. I have them in uh, I, I have them in a Google Drive. So I can send you them. Anyway, should we right stop recording now? Do you, do you want to go to sleep? So, no, I'm, I'm neither loving nor living. Do you want to go to sleep? <laughs> I have to sleep and fall into okay, a dark pit I also have to go to sleep. Oh, great. Fall into a deep dark pit of ghosts. Um, 
Yes, I'm going to surrender myself to oblivion and maybe I'll have more positive Let's all have positive emotions on Saturday, Saturday, which is, let's be fair, the day on yes. which to have positive emotions we're going to have them. I do believe so. I do believe that Saturday is a day reserved for positive emotions. Okay, great. We did, we did a good job today, job. thank you. But okay. <laughs> Very good. Alright. Uh, okay, great. Good. I'm going to stop the recording. Let's. Goodbye. They're very good. Good. Um, anyway, no jokes in this one, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's going to be 100% um, pure 100% exercise. facts and reading. Cerebral content only on this podcast. Yes. Taps for brain. this episode, we're not a comedy podcast. No, we're a serious podcast. Only clever words. Look at all the facts you can fit in this bad boy. Taps Look at all the, the June law you can podcast. fit in this bad boy. Taps, Taps podcast. Okay, so... So... So, we got halfway through the chapter where... We got halfway through the chapter where um, Paul and the Duke were talking. Do you remember what we discussed? I don't know if any of our discussions were up to much, I have to say. Why don't we just talk about what we think is important to say? I can feel the fun just draining out of this podcast. Just like going... That's fine. This episode isn't for fun. It's just for it's just for reading and talking. Um. So, I mean, this I didn't think this chapter was very very much fun to read because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a big serious character study of I guess so. um, Paul and his dad. I mean, it made me think of some things that I thought were interesting. Okay, lay like, them on me. You know, like um. Alito is a duke and as a father and how how being a duke doesn't allow to you to occupy other human capacities very well um and i remember you saying something about how paul notes him as being very present at the beginning of the chapter someone totally here quote unquote um 
yeah, but he's actually very distant. Um, and it made me think about, um, yeah, I mean, I guess this applies to lots of things, but it made me think about the book The Gone Away World, where it kind of takes this separation between being human and being the person that you are for your, your job. And that I don't remember anything completely. that happened in that book, even though I read it twice. It was really good. Um, but they, there was some really interesting stuff about, um, like, divorcing two parts of your personality so that you can bring yourself to do your job to the amount that you are expected to. And that seems to have happened to, to Leto in that he, he finds it incredibly hard to switch into dad mode for his son. <laughs> Yeah, he's not a very good. I mean, everyone says that uh, uh, his the qualities of him as a father were, you know, much overlooked. Like which ones? Which ones? Um, but he is a the in the beginning quotation. He is a lonely figure. He's mm. a lonely, and he is lonely. He's he's utterly yeah, and he is sort of forced to be lonely by by rank, right? Hmm, and he has lots of. It has lots of enemies. He has lots of people ranged against him. Yeah, he does. In this kind of really complicated um, formation yeah. of, you know, it's the, the Lanzarada behind him, but it's only sort of conditional. Yeah. The Harkonnens are his mortal enemy. He has he sees through the, the Emperor's machinations in, in landing him on Dune um, as being like, oh, well, this is something that... I mean, can we read part of the chapter where he talks about the reasons for of course. Um, having put um, yeah, I, I am interested family in the exposition that he does do here, which I think we talked about last time we recorded, but I can't yeah. really remember. But it's, it is a shame that the only people that Lita can trust are his wife and his two boyfriends. Aww. 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 And also, I think there is an interesting bit about um, the Duke's relationship with Duncan and Gurney, which we can we can give a little read. Yeah, read two. Yeah, read, read both of them if you want to. I'm a read. I'm a read. I'm a read. You're a read that bitch. I'm gonna take that Duke to college. I'm gonna give that Duke some, some knowledge. knowledge. <laughs> I'm gonna read, read that, that book. I'm gonna read that book. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's give a little thing of the um Duncan Idaho. So in Leto sent Duncan to negotiate with the Fremen. I sent a mission headed by Duncan Idaho, the Duke said. A proud and ruthless man, Duncan, but fond of the truth. I think the Fremen will admire him. If we're lucky, they might judge us they may judge us by him. Duncan the moral. Duncan the moral, Paul said. And Gurney the Valorous. You name them well, the Duke said. And Paul thought, Gurney's one of those the Reverend Mother meant, a supporter of worlds. The valour of the brave. So, you know... I love my brave uh, dad. Love my brave dad. Uh, sorry, get dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paul is already doing... He's being a good, good baby Muad'Dib. And he's taking into account the teachings of the Reverend Mother already. Yes. He's being, you know... Piercingly observational. Yes, piercingly observational. The weapons, the weapons master. He is brave. He sure is brave. The best. It's not. It's not a world-endingly good observation. None of Paul's observations are. No. 
It's a bit. It's a bit obvious. Yeah. He's a little bit um basic. But was he is a basic bitch? But what were you gonna read about um uh Leto's enemies? Leto's enemies. Um. Well. Um. So. There's a long passage where. Uh. They talk about the chome and what the chome is. Chome company. So they say that a. Uh, you know. Everything passed through the Chome Company, including the spice, um, which is, you know, the most uh, sought-after product in the universe. Um, and now the the the, um, the Atreides quote unquote control it, except that the Harkonnens who have had who used to have control of Arrakis stockpiled the spice, um, and then you know they could make a uh, they could have a monopoly on spice. Uh, you know, uh, trade, and then that would be bad for everyone else, and the the profits of the German company would go way down, and then you know, they would uh, have less money and be less powerful. Um, the Harkonnens have been stockpiling for more than twenty years. They mean spice production to fail, and you to be blamed. That's Paul. They wish the Atreides' name to become unpopular, the Duke said. Think of the Lansvard houses that look to me for a certain amount of leadership, their unofficial spokesman. Think how they'd react if I were responsible for a serious reduction in their income. After all, one's own profits come first. You know, even the people who are supposed to be behind the Duke would not be behind the Duke if he were to, you know, reduce their earnings by a significant amount. Um, That would be shit. Yeah, and I like how this chapter shows that he's fully aware that he is going to be betrayed by everybody and it's a trap. Yeah. I mean, but it, it also it that adds to the the isolation of the duke because yeah. he can he can't trust anybody. Yeah. And it does say that he's tired from having to seem like he isn't tired, which is very it's like relatable and also sad. I'm crying. Duke. <laughs> Cry. Um, like if you cried. <laughs> um so uh, Paul's like, why are we walking into all of this? And then the Duke is like, Paul, you stupid bitch. Paul! <laughs> the Duke frowned at his son, knowing where the trap is. That's the first step in evading it. This is like single combat, son, only on a larger scale. A, a faint, faint within, within a faint within a faint. Good quote. Seemingly that. without end. The task, the task is, is to unravel it. Knowing that the Harkonnen stockpile melange, we ask another question. Who else is stockpiling? That is the list of our enemies. So basically so, everyone. So basically everyone. Certain houses are stockpiling melange. Um, but there is one There is one other, much more important. Our beloved Padishah, Emperor. Mm. Which is, you know, kaboom, kablumski, kapow. Brain explode. Brain explode. The emperor is setting them up to fail and things. So, I mean... Nowhere is safe. Not in nowhere in this sort of um, uh, seemingly steady tripod. Well, you know, you would assume that it is steady because yes. it's a tripod, but everyone's like, no, it's not. Well, everybody knows that the tripod is the least steady shape of them all. Because everyone can betray everyone. So he's like, we see the knife now. Make our enemy aware. We know which hand holds the knife. Ah, now, Paul, we see the knife. Who knows where it might be shifted next? And then he's sort of thinking about the. Um, you know, what to do, what can we do now? Um, so, you know, that's, that, that's the mindset with which he has to approach going to Arrakis, knowing that he is walking into this horrible trap and having to try and think of a way out of it. And he is kind of in a hopeless position. Um, 
which you know and he he sort of automatically goes to thinking about how he would like be able to sort of like dispel the vapors in his men before a battle like i imagine that all every interaction that he has has to be so calculated to produce a certain effect in a way that must mm. be like ridiculously exhausting oh absolutely cuz he is he is sort of a figurehead. I see. I feel much more interested in in Leto and Jessica than I am in. Um, I also have thoughts about like leadership because obviously Leto mm. was. Uh, I don't know actually. I there might be a comment on it made later on. They're like a tiny fraction of the way into the book, like twelve percent. Um, so yeah, I mean, from what I can see at this point in time in the book, which may change with more context or information, Leto mm. seems to be what this book thinks of as a good leader a good kind of leader, a good example of a leader, mm. what leadership is and should be, which is interesting um, and definitely reveals a certain position because, you know, leadership is the ability to, pers- to persuade people and to make them believe things and mm. also being a man <laughs> and also having it in, in your blood. Um, being a man. Being a man. It is very, like, in, a, in the histories, there is an episode... Uh, where uh, Herodotus talks about uh, three Persian kings, mm-hmm. Darius, Xerxes, and Artaxerxes. Mm-hmm. Artaxerxes. Uh, Artaxerxes. <laughs> they sound like Transformers names. Darius, Xerxes, Artaxerxes. 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 Roll out. <laughs> <laughs> Persians, roll out. Um you know the diff- the contrasting ruling styles and i think we're also going to get a three generation comparison between leto's dad yeah who was a badan by some accounts yes. uh leto who was good but ineffective because he's you know gets killed mm-hmm. and paul who is the savior of the world uh yeah but i also from what i've heard about this book is that paul also is finds himself flawed or you know yeah fails. i mean uh, june june is the the rise and fall of the muad'di yeah right pretty much so. isn't it yeah speaking of transformers <laughs> <laughs> speaking of transformers i watched a really interesting video essay about the transformers movie that was also sort of about leadership in a really similar way so it made me have interesting thoughts about it mm. um <laughs> In the Transformers movie, the leader, the the dad figure of the, of the Transformers sort of dies right at the beginning and it's heartbreaking for everybody who saw it. Um, wow. And then a sort of amateurish leader steps up um, and sort of tries to lead in, a, in and through the course of the film, the very stupid film finds out how to do it. Um, <laughs> that sounds good. But, um it, it's you, very it's a bad will you film. Shout out the name of the video for the listeners. Uh yeah, it's one of Hitch Bomber Guy's most recent ones. Hitch Bomber Guy channel and you'll find it. He's famous. Um He's famous. Yeah, but he he did an interesting one about it and um what was it? Optimus Prime said something like leadership is when you say things to people and they believe you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that sounds about right though. That's a pretty cogent observation from mum. I think so. Uh, Optimus Prime. Yes. The, um, the great philosopher Optimus Prime. Something that would be interesting to talk about would be the Seleucid, the, um, the Sarkudar. Well, let me read from the back of the book uh, to tell you what the Sarkudar are. Mm-hmm. 
What are the Sardaukar? The Biak of the Buke. The of the Buke to tell you what are the Sardaukar. What are the Sardaukar? Tell me now, what are the Sardaukar? I do not know what are the Sardaukar. How now, Sardaukar? <laughs> okay, I mean, this is going to be this is going to be an episode where I do a lot of reading, um, because the Sardaukar definition is like massive. Okay, but read it. I'm interested now. The Sardaukar. The soldier fanatics of the Padishah Emperor. They were, they were men from an environmental background of such ferocity that it killed six out of thirteen persons before the age that of eleven. That doesn't seem very. That's bad. Yeah, that's really bad. It also doesn't seem very efficient. No, well, it's not meant to be efficient. It's meant to produce only the the most hardened, toughened soldier fanatics. Also, it sounds like the uh, the Spartans. And Herodotus also talks about the hardening. The the child hardening practices of the Spartans. Yeah. So disgusting and abusive, but very interesting. Please go on. The military training emphasised ruthlessness and a near suicidal disregard for personal safety. Yeah. Oh. They were uh-huh. taught from infancy to use cruelty as a standard weapon, weakening opponents with terror. Uh-huh. At the apex of their sway over the affairs of the universe, their swordsmanship was said to match that of the Ginnaz 10th level, and their cunning abilities... At infighting, were reputed to approach those of a Bene Gesserit adept. Any one of them was a rated match for any for any ten ordinary Lanzarad military conscri- conscripts. By the time of Shaddam the Fourth, while they were still formidable, their strength had been sapped by overconfidence, and the sustaining mystique of their warrior religion had been deeply undermined by cynicism. So they are a brainwashed horde of tortured men who are brought up on a prison planet called the Seleucus Secundus. And imagine how hurt they must be. Yes, it's all from their deep early hurts. Yeah, early hurts. When you're 11 and you, all of your friends died and you were tortured endlessly. Mm. Um, mm. But the emperor, the emperor uh, has, owns these people and Which keeps is... them on a, it's bad, Keeps them on a planet called Salusa Secundus. Mm-hmm. Um, a good, cool planet that everybody loves and nobody nobody <laughs> suffers on. In a, in a nice bit of exposition, Paul goes like, The Emperor's prison planet? <laughs> Thank you, Paul. What if it were more than a prison planet, Paul? There's a question you never hear asked about the Imperial Corpse's core of Sardukar. Where do they come from? From the prison planet? They come from somewhere. Like... Okay, we got it when you said that first thing and you didn't have to continue to explain it, but okay. So, I mean, and then uh, later, later continues, uh, that's what we're led to believe. They're just the Emperor's levies trained young and superbly. You hear an occasional muttering about the Emperor's training cadres, but the balance of our civilization remains the same. The military forces of the Lanzarad great houses on one side, the Sardukar and their supporting levies on the other. And then Paul is like, every every report on Salus Secundus says SS is a hell world. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think one thing that I do wonder about this universe is where are the, all the, of the damn aliens? Where are, <laughs> where are they? There should be some, I think. Yes, this entire universe is populated by humanoids only. Yeah, humanoids only. Things descended from humans and humans that have been genetically engineered into stuff. And they not only are they humanoids in that they have two arms and two legs, but not even like the lazy as fuck Star Trek humanoids that have a little nose bump. 
They don't. They just look all the same, like human. Like, would you at least give me a human who is blue or has a tail or something? No. No. This is serious science fiction. I know, but I feel like <sighs> I just feel really disappointed at the potential for there to be aliens, but there not being any aliens. So I didn't know that mentat was Latin for mind until you wrote us a um a Latin uh fucking well, motto mentat is not latin for mind but ment- uh-huh. mens mentis is yeah mens and mentis so what does mentat is it just a conjugation the me- no mentat is a derivation okay. uh, according to wikipedia my favorite website Thanks, wikipedia um mad props to the god wikipedia mm-hmm. um mentat is the based god wikipedia thank you based wikipedia In the in the Dune prequels, um, there is a, a, a origin story given for mentats, and I'm so interested in like the sociology of mentats because, you know, what I've been thinking as is of as being a typical mentat is clearly not what they actually are. Um, but a uh, mentat uh, comes from the words mentor, mentee, and mentation. Mentation being mental activity, which I didn't know. And that obviously comes from mens, which is the Latin for mind. And but both both the, both Daddy and Paul remain sort of end the chapter on like this melancholy note, because Dad is sad that Paul is talking about killing in a casual voice, and he's like, "Oh son, would that you did not have to know of these things, and no, you must not consider whether it is artless to kill with the tip, simply that it is." You must kill someone however you can, should need arise. Ah. And then um, uh, Paul is like, perhaps being a Mentat Duke is a terrible purpose. Oh, can I also can I also make a correction about St. Alia of the Knife? If you wish. So I think I meant, I said that I theorise that St. Alia of the Knife was an elder Bene Gesserit, um, much in the past um, Bene Gesserit mother, of much power mm-hmm. um and she doesn't appear to be she appears to be someone who is in the future um from from the point of view of the action that's currently happening in the book but um when the commentaries on the book are being written she is she is in the past she's still she's still like a she's still a benegesserit yeah. person of much power benegesserit little baby benegesserit she's a little girl. tiny baby baby benegesserit can we do can we do chapter seven now? Uh yeah 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 yeah. I mean, what I was the point that I was trying to make about Saint Elia, and then I will shut up. Uh, is that you know this is this book is able to look forward and backwards in time. It's able to look like Paul. <laughs> themes themes. It's able to travel up the male and female lines and into the right. future. And whatever. Okay. Let me do chapter seven. Uh, we won't be friends anymore. We'll have to stop the podcast we're not and friends. start it again another day. We're not friends. Sorry. I mean, we'll we'll fall back into being spiteful enemies and break the truce that we have every week to record this podcast. Um. Uh, I like this quote. I think it is one of the best ones. 
With the Lady Jessica and Arrakis, the Bene Gesserit system of sowing implant legends through the Missionaria Protectiva came to its full fruition. The wisdom of seeding the known universe with a prophecy pattern for the protection of BG personnel has long been appreciated, but never have we seen a condition ut extremis with more ideal mating of person and preparation. The prophetic legends had taken on Arrakis even to the extent of adopted labels, including Reverend Mother, Canto, and Respondu, and most of the Shariah Panoplia Propheticus. And it is generally accepted now that the Lady Jessica's latent abilities were grossly underestimated. From Analysis, the Arrakian Crisis by the Princess Irulan, Private Circulation, BG file number AR81088587. Cool. That's super interesting. Hopefully we'll talk about it more when we get into the chapter. Yes. I do want to say, how are we pronouncing Missionaria Protectiva? Because I've always been saying Missionaria Protectiva. Missionaria Protectiva. Protectiva. A Missionaria ah, Protectiva. I make it a Protectiva. I make it a Protectiva. Um, ah, I make it a Missionaria. Ah, I lie to the natives of the planet. Oh, I exploit the natives of the planet. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I mean, I was doing a standard uh, English-speaking Latin pronunciation, which is just you say the syllables in the order that they come in. Mission- missionaria, missionaria protectiva. We can say missionaria. 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 Okay. <laughs> you say it however you want. I'm going to say it normal. Thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we were agreeing on pronunciations. Mm, no. So what happens in this chapter is that Jessica, um, uh, it begins in... So we're sort of situated indoors and we don't know if it's in Arrakis or not because we don't... There isn't a description of Arrakis yet. We don't see Arrakis, but we are in a new place, the Arakeen Great Hall, and Lady Jessica is looking at um, the packaged freight of her life, uh, their lives, boxed up in this big hall, and thinking about, you know, where to put things and things like that. Um, So she's sort of, we have a description of the room, and then Lita comes in, they have a weird conversation and dynamic about where they are now. their conversation really shows a lot about how they are with each other and what their relationship is like. It's kind of unnerving and also sad and um, really is a good character study of both of them. Um, and then Lito sort of goes away to do something. He says, tell tell Paul to come to the conference later. And then I have flashbacks to conferences where I had to write the agenda and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Uh. Um, <laughs> um um, no, it was the committee, actually. Committees. Fuck committees. Um, anyway, yes. <laughs> so he goes off and he says, well, we've, we've organized some, some, uh, serving people to work here. Uh, you'll get to meet some of them soon. There's someone here called Shout Out Mapes. Shout Out Mapes. Shout Out to Mapes, <laughs> which is, uh... Actually, a very well well regarded title. It means world dipper. Anyway, bye. So, <laughs> Mapes comes in. Shout out the shout out. Mapes comes in. Um. Uh. After they have this sad conversation, um, and 
uh, Mapes comes in, they have, they talk a bit about what's going on around there, but mostly in this chapter, um, Mapes has brought a Chris knife with her to test whether or not Jessica is the one, the one prophesized by the missionary predictive dropped by the Bene Gesserit. Um, it seems like many hundreds of years ago, a really long time ago, and Jessica has to sort of reverse engineer this myth and her place in this myth in order to live and stay alive um and she manages to do that mapes gives her this cool knife and then yeah and then she sends mapes off to put the duke's the old duke's portrait and the big bull's head up in the dining hall that's a good summary well done thank you beautiful extremely good thank you for these insincere compliments how dare you they're not insincere they're sincere I'm doing sincerity. Yes, okay. look at my face. Um, look at my face. So, look at my face. I'm being sincere. sincere. Let me open the video so I can see your face. You don't look sincere. It's good. <laughs> I feel like there's one thing that is the most important thing that we have to talk about because we love it very much and it's very interesting. You know what it is. It's your boy. You already know who it is. But I, d but I don't know what it is. It's the it's the missionary or protectiva. Okay, the missionary protectiva, which is my number one most most fascinating uh yes. thing in Dune. It's so interesting. You say your stuff about it first because I have stuff, but I want to hear what your stuff well, is. Well, I mean, let's read the definition of missionary protectiva. Mm. I've, I'm yes, let <laughs> having discovered the um, glossary live on air a couple of episodes ago. Uh, we love the glossary. I am so I'm so into the glossary. Uh, the glossary is is great. It's very useful. <laughs> what if we? What if reading the glossary makes the podcast worse? It's fine. Um, so, missionary protectiva, the arm of the Bene Gesserit order, charged with sowing infectious superstitions on primitive worlds, thus opening those regions to exploitation by the Bene Gesserit. And it says, "See Panoplia Propheticus." So I flip to. Panoplia Protecticus. It says, see Missionaria Protectiva. It does. Um, <laughs> it says, term covering the infectious superstitions used by the Bene Gesserit to exploit primitive regions. See Missionaria Protectiva. So that's that's nice. Great. That's useful. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you, Frank. But it's so interesting. It's really interesting. It's, and it's a secret. Yes. It's a secret. That's why this is a secret chapter title. Chapter heading quote. Yes, I mean, and we kind of have some instinct, uh, some insight into the Bene Gesserit as an institution, in that they have uh, a private circulation, a private um, library, a private store of information, mm -hmm. um, and they have things that only they know. Uh, this is sort of like a a review of the the Arakeen crisis, like a, a paper on the Arakeen crisis by the princess Princess Erilan, which is only for the eyes of the Bene Gesserit. Mm -hmm. The B's to the G. The big, big B. G. That's big, big B. G. Just like <laughs> me. Um, well, only let's, let's find a, a passage, uh, about the missionaria to, to read. Um, because when, sh when shout out mapes means shout meets Jessica, shout out to the mapes. Uh, she, she's like, oh shit, you are the one. Yes. You're the one. You're the one. And Jessica's like, what the fuck? Yes, I am. Yeah. So where is it? 
Jessica's a um, badass in this chapter. I love her. Jessica's a super badass because, like, also she's not she's not a hundred percent sure what's happening. No, but, then but she's, she's like, very good at being able to pretend that she does know. She bluffs her way through it in a spectacular way. Jessica's like, my husband told me of your title. Shout out! I recognize the word. It's a very ancient word. Mapes says, you know the ancient tongues, then. And she waited with an odd intensity. Tongues are the Bene Gesserit's first learning, Jessica said. I know the Botani Jib and the Chakopsa, all the hunting languages. Mapes like, yeah, just as the legend says. I know the dark things and the ways of the Great Mother, Jessica said. She read the more obvious signs in Mapes' actions and appearance. The petit betrayals. Fuck you, Frank, for saying petit betrayals. I know. And then she speaks a little bit of Chekhovsa. And then uh, Mapes is like, <gasps> um, and then Jessica doubles down on it. And she's like, I know many things. I know that you have born children, that you have lost loved ones, that you have hidden in fear and that you have done violence and will do yet things. more violence. I know many things. And then and Mapes um, is like, <gasps> yeah, she's like, um, I don't know, like the Ark of the Covenant's been opened. <laughs> like her face, her face melts all the way off. She's going um, to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. The Declaration of Independence. <laughs> um, uh, you speak of the legend and seek answers, Jessica says. Beware the answers you may find. I know you came prepared for violence with a weapon in your bodice. Um, and then she's like, you can't kill me. I'll never die. <laughs> well, she's like, you can't kill me because I'll make a fate worse than death happen to everybody that you know or ever ever heard of. She's a super badass. She's great. And then Mapes is like, my lady, the weapon was sent as a gift to you. Should you prove to be the one? And as the means of my death, should I prove otherwise? Jessica said. Um, she waited in the seeming relaxation that made the Bene Gesserit train so terrifying. Which in is combat. cool. Can I say something very quickly? Um, it reminds me of how the um, how the Gomjabar is is the same sort of thing. You know, it it kills only animals, right? It doesn't kill humans. If you prove to be a human, then you don't die. You know, if you prove to be the one, then you don't die. This knife only kills people who aren't the one. This knife hates turfs. This knife. This knife kills turfs. So then Mapes gets out um, a Chris knife. Mm. Um, uh, What's one of those? A dark, uh, she brought out a black, sh- a dark sheath, a black handle with deep finger ridges protruded from it. She took, she took the sheath in one hand and handle in the other, withdrew a milk white blade, held it up. The blade seemed to shine and glitter with a light of its own. It was double edged like a kinjal and the blade was perhaps 20 centimeters long. It could it could be only one thing, Jessica knew, the fabled Chris knife of Arrakis, the blade that had never been taken off the planet and was known only by rumour and wild gossip. Ground from a tooth of the sandworm. Um uh, and you know, it's Deathmaker in Chakopsa. So like she's like, Do you know its meaning? Um and then Jessica has to like think really hard as to you know what what would be the right answer to this question and this sequence is cool it's like she does the my pals thing but it's much better and cooler yeah and so she like kind of takes it down to the etymology mm. it's jessica's etymology time it's <laughs> etymology time. time what's the time it's etymology time, time. <laughs> um so in chekopsa which is the ancient hunting language a knife is a death maker um and so jessica says it's a maker and gets cut off by Mapes wailing 
And she's like, oh, maker of death. The key word was maker. So Jessica's like, did you think that I, knowing the mysteries of the great mother, would not know the maker? And Mapes lowers the knife. My lady, when one has lived with the prophecy for so long, the moment of revelation is a shock. She's like, take the water of my life. Which, you know, same. Saying, just spill all my blood out, please. Just punch my blood out. She knife punched the blood all out of her. Scratches her. Uh, and then is like, whatever. Button your dress, etc. Um, and then uh, Mapes is like, who sees that knife must be cleansed or slain? She snarled. You know that, my lady. She's um, like, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Now I do. Now I do. Because you just told me. Um, the uncleansed who have seen a Chris knife may not leave Arrakis alive. Never forget that, my lady. You've been entrusted with a Chris knife. Now the thing must take its course. It cannot be hurried. And then Jessica thinks the thing must take its course. That was a specific catchphrase of the Missionara Predictiva's dog with incantations. It's very interesting, the coming of the River Mother to free you. So I'm like, that's very cool that that she can spot all of the all of the specific words and incantations from the these phrases that are used to build myths for people that they're trying to control. And then also because she manages to deduce which which one it is from And those it's the things. very worst one. Yeah, so <laughs> they planted that one here. This must be a hideous place. And it makes me really, really want to know what kind of what what one was it? What was the myth? What, what was yeah. it? I mean I want to I want to hear from the uh the, the Benegesserit playbook. <laughs> the missionaria protective you know ah uh, yes and the rpg uh, show bible um of all the all the myths mm-hmm. um but isn't that like isn't that horrifying i know like they they go to these underdeveloped uh, uh quote-unquote underdeveloped world worlds with underdeveloped populations and they leave messages and prophecies and whispers and thoughts mm. and um you know uh, but I mean, sort of like, what it is is a more developed version of what cultural imperialism is now Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, like, you know, the, the you know, media monopolies are like America, a bit UK, and then like the richest countries in Asia. And, you know, the ide- ideologies from them get really thoroughly... Forced. They penetrate everywhere. Yeah, they penetrate yeah. everywhere. They're forced into the rest of the world. They shape global ideologies in a really terrifying way in order to exploit they people. Start, they shape global ideologies beginning with individual identity. Yes. That is how they, they, they go so deep into the psyche of the individual and it starts when you're a child and you never get and out. And you never free it. yourself and it becomes who you are and it becomes something that you shape yourself entirely around. And that's terrifying. Yeah. Um, it also reminds me of how, you know, like um Christianity was used in um uh colonialism. Yes, I wanted uh, you to, I wanted to see if you had any historical thoughts on this. I was thinking about Salusa Secundus and the the Sadikar and the 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 freeman and whatever. Uh and as sort of uh native populations uh, that can be exploited and the different ways that they're being exploited by different people um, and how it, it does have an interesting like uh, synergy between um, uh, uh, slave slave slavery stuff yeah yeah um, slavery in the Caribbean Absolutely. and slave revolts and slavery and religion uh, all that jazz 
Um, and there's a, a book that I really liked um, uh, called Homegoing by Yagyazi. Yes. Uh, shout out, shout out Yagyazi. Yes. Good book. I read it on a plane. I cried the entire the entire way to my holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. It was really good. Um, which t- is like tells the story of um, uh, two uh, Ghanaians, uh, Ghanaian sisters, uh, one of whom gets uh, um, taken away on a slave ship uh, to America uh, <laughs> and one of whom uh, stays in Ghana and the different ways that uh, um, anti-blackness and coloniality uh, coloniality. Institutional... Coloniality. Is that a word? That's real. Okay. Look it up. Look it up. Um, but there's definitely a bit about um, Africa and um, missionaries and the way that they used um, sort of like the quote unquote prophecy of uh, Jesus mm. and uh, even sort of like the evangelical side of, of Christianity to, uh, yeah, to control uh, manipulate. People. Yeah. And that is what this is. Um, and like I don't know it's really hard a lot of the time to tell whether or not Frank is being woke and doing this intentionally or not um, or if like this is something that is is there that Frank didn't think about but is definitely there that we can talk about and think about and draw parallels to either way it's very interesting the main thing it's I wanted to say about it was but you know I think also our personal histories are having some effect on the way we are reading this this text um as as happens with all people and all text, in that you know your stuff gets in the way of having a clean, unbiased. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that it gets in the way of having a clean, unbiased because I don't think that's the point of consuming any media. And I well, feel like applying not. your stuff to things that you but see it's and all that you subjective. read. Let me finish my sentences. And the author is Let dead. Me finish my sentences. Ray, I have to go and look at my cauliflower now. Do it. And I will never let you finish your sentence Thank you. ever. worst podcast because I'm unable to respect you. It's really bad to listen to, but at this point I don't care. <laughs> we've been we've been laboring over this chapter for so long. I mean, I'm really I'm really interested in this chapter and there's loads of stuff that I want to talk about, but you're yeah. It's 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 also difficult to talk to each other sometimes. Um the truth isn't holding. Um the truth. The uh, the um what's it what's it in this? The fucking um help me the flipping the the great convention. Ah, uh, yeah, it was in the last chapter, and I wasn't sure if between you wanted our to say two houses, about it, but you didn't. Was not so. No, 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 no. I mean, our great convention. Our great convention. Where we had, we promised not to attack each other with atomics. Um, I can't remember. Um. No, 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 Ray. This. The truth is not holding the great convention. I know, but let me...
What the fuck is a megalopolis? A megalopolis is a, a large, large city. Oh, okay. Or a coll- collection of cities. Oh, um, have to have more than a billion people in it, or something. Not, not more than a billion people. More than like a ten million. People. Something else I find really fun about this chapter is that the old duke in his painting is dressed in a matador outfit. <laughs> And he's facing the bull that killed him, which is like, one, how long ago do people stop wearing matador outfits and doing bullfights? How many thousands of years ago was that? Two, where did he get it? Three, why did he dress like that for his official portrait? <laughs> I don't know. Dumb as I don't hell. know the answers to any of these questions. I love it. Um, But, you know, the Duke, the old Duke was gored to death by a bull. Yes. Um, Jessica and later have a fight as to whether or not the picture of the the picture of the Duke and the head of the bull that killed him are going to be put up. False fight. Going to be put up in the main hall. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what's his name? Later says something like "ice cold," uh, which is great. Well, he just says Um, no, and she's like, "Ah, fuck." No, the choice is between your digestion and my ancestral dignity, my dear. Like, they will hang in the dining hall. I think that her digestion is more important, personally. And then he's like, oh, you're so lucky that I didn't marry you, otherwise you'd have to eat with me. Ha 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 Um, Fuck you. Yeah, she's she's not, um, she's not impressed. Yeah. I mean, I'm really sad for Jessica in this whole chapter, because, like, she holds herself back from everything around the Duke in a way that doesn't seem like their relationship is good at all. I mean, I guess because she's in he's he's, you know, those two people and he's in that mode that she that she doesn't love because he's so warped by his work and his father and things like that that um, you know, she can't show how she feels around him. She can't be herself, you know. She she has to carefully choose to smile and choose to hold back expressions and be very restrained and seen and measured all of the time, which, like, oh, it's kind of really terrible and sad. Hmm. I mean, and also he says, you know, she, she like, um, she has to do a, a, the, the Benigesta regimen of calmness. Mm-hmm. To talk to him. In order to, you know, be like, the, the nice sort of she's she's the Duke's concubine and she's also his um uh secretary diary secretary mm. um and she's like is there anything else I could do for you Duke and then he's like you must teach me someday how you do that the way you thrust your worries aside and turn to practical matters it must be a benegesserate thing and then she's like no it's a female thing women have to do that all the time in order to get by yes um and I know that Frank meant it not like that but. I think, you know, the Jessica of my mind, of my heart, doesn't mean it exactly like that, where she's like, I have to do this for my own safety and survival. Yes. Uh, so that's some cool that's some cool sexism from Frank that has been turned into Jessica being great in our minds. Yes. Alchemy-like into... <laughs> Alchemy-like um... into wokeness. Um, um... Other comments. Olive skin is not dark skin. Olive skin is not dark skin. But, you know, like, she gets a little bit... It reminded her of the Caribbean. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> the Caribbean that is Caledon, I guess. Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I wanna take you. To Jupiter. Um, like, he just has, like... It reminded her of... I can't I can't find the thing. But it's like, as you sees. I'm like, okay. 
we we get it. He's a Mediterranean babe. Yeah. He's Oscar Isaac. I mean, um, so there's a bit where the Duke is sort of admiring Jessica, and then he sort of offhandly mentions that he bought her, I think? Yes. Yeah. The buyers. Like, did the Duke but, buy Jessica? Well, I think that's part of the Bene Gesserit thing, is that oh. they allow Bene Gesserit women to be concubines to powerful men. Yeah. Um, and in and in that way, they are able to to gain you know, power and influence and stuff. Yeah, but like also, it's extremely gross. So she she says, um, she knew. Uh, there we go. Not since the day when the Duke's bias had taken her from the school that sh- had she felt this frightened and unsure of herself. I'm like, poor Jessica. Imagine, being- <laughs> and it, I think he says something about. His his buyers choosing her. Give me one second. Let me have a look. Uh, blah blah. Admiring her stateliness, and again he wanted her unknown ancestry, a renegade house perhaps, some black barred royalty. She looked more regal than that emperor's own blood. Blah blah. And then also when shut up, Mapes is is calling her, addressing her. She addresses her as noble born, and Jessica's like, no, I'm, I'm not extremely noble born. Remember that the lay sisters at the school had called her skinny, so his buyers had told him. But that description was oversimplified. Uh, she had brought a regal beauty back into the Atreides line, which is like... Uh, <laughs> I'm sad that she was bought. It makes me upset. I do also like how how Frank is like, she was thin, but she was beautiful. Ah. She was thin, but sexy. Thank but you, Frank. sexy. Just yeah. FYI. Just like institutional oh. woman selling run by an institution of women for their own sort of power and continuation that also like systematically disempowers the women who are part of them. It's like, ooh, nasty. I love, I love the Benny Gesserit. They're, a, they're, they're very a, interesting. A, they're really shadowy interesting. Shadowy organization of contrasts. Yeah. I mean, as, as a, like a fictional group, as a... It's a fictional institution. I'm. I really love what they are and how interesting they are. But also as like, as a thing, they're like bad, and I am like gross, gross about. Ray, I love that how you in all things all the time just make these unbelievably strong, simplistic moral judgments about things. It's great. It's really refreshing because everyone's like, "Well, gotta hear both sides, nuance," and you're like, "They are bad, and they're bad." You make me sound like a simpleton, and I don't appreciate it. Simple tune. I'm a simple tune. No, but like you do. Do yeah. I? No, I don't. You do. Jessica manages to quote Saint Augustine, um, but uh, who is actually the real Saint Augustine oh. uh, from from Christianity? Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, our boy Saint Augustine. Um, the mind commands the body and is instantly obeyed. The mind commands itself and meets resistance. Um, and that is from Confessions. Interesting. And it was written. It was written. Um, in when was it written? Well, Augustine was alive between um three hundred and fifty-four and four hundred and thirty A.D. Uh, he was uh, a a rhetor, a rhetorician, uh, a Christian Neoplatonist. North African bishop, doctor of the Roman Catholic Church. Cool. 
Um, and very important in like the Western philosophical. I tradition. mean, the only reason I said cool is because when you said North Africa, I was like, oh, cool. I mean, he was not. He was not black. Let's get this straight. He was not black. Um, but uh, he he. I mean, the the biography I read of Augustine said that he was, you know, one of the primary African thinkers of this period. Of, of I was like African, African. I mean, I think he like he went there. Uh, it was like it was it was the. It, it, I think he, he was one of the. He's like a Greek, a Greek colony. Oh, you know, like those Greek colony of of North Africa. Okay. Let me. But I'm gonna. I've got to look you it can up. Can do that. Saint Augustine. So he was born in Algeria. Mm-hmm. Um. Here and uh. Oh, scholars generally agree that Augustine and his family were Berbers, an ethnic group indigenous to North Africa, huh. but they were heavily Romanized, speaking only Latin at home as a matter of pride and dignity. Oh. More colonialism. Yeah. More, more coloniality. cool, good colonialism. Ah. Yeah. Mm. Um. That's interesting. Yeah. Though. No, I just, I just thought it was interesting that you know the, the continuity of the Benegesserit, like um, uh, intellectual tradition, doesn't go all the way back to Augustine. Frank, That's great. Frank is very interested in religions lasting forever, huh? Even though they can't, they kind of turn into weird yeah. things, often. Um, uh, I like the the description of of the shout out Mapes. Um, shout out to Mapes. I love hags. Shout out to Mapes. I love hags. She's a hag. She's knobbly. She's got a bag on. <laughs> <laughs> she's got stringy hair and big pupil uh whiteless blue eyes i mean and whiteless blue eyes is is, is you know important because that's the this is the defining characteristic of the feminine yeah. you know thank you frank um so yeah uh i just love her saying and me not even dead <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think they did. They did talk a little bit about um, choosing the name, choosing the place to land in Arrakis, because uh, the um, the Harkonnens had chose to, to land in Carthage, well Carthage, um, but obviously it's supposed to be Carthage. Uh, Carthage being a place in North Africa as well, oh. um, and it's also the place where that's extremely on the nose, huh? It's on the it's on the nose. Uh, Dido uh, is. Uh, uh, the queen of Carthage, uh, Carthaginians, in the. Uh, uh, keep talking. Uh, fuck you for singing Dido when I talk about Dido. <laughs> um, Dido is the the queen of queen of Carthage, Carthaginians fighting Carthaginian dirty. Uh, that one's for all my horrible histories fans. Nope. Uh, no, cut that out, please. Thank you. No. <laughs> um, uh, which is also where a significant betrayal takes place, uh, yeah. and that is the betrayal of Aeneas, a uh, betrayal of Dido by Aeneas, who is a little stinking bitch. I wonder to what extent Paul did study all of this nonsense, because he must have drawn from it for all of this stuff. I mean, I I I struck because I didn't realize that I was gonna like find as much to talk about There's as I so have been. Many, like you know, ancient history parallels to everything that is in Dune. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think, and as we get into uh, Paul going into. Uh, onto Arrakis and meeting with the Freeman, there's going to be so much between 
him and meeting uh, the the warrior queen of of the freemen, especially. Fuck yeah. Uh, that's going to be Aeneas and Dido in Carthage. Yeah. I promise you. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Do you want to read? That I have to. That? I have to re- reread the Aeneid cool. uh, so that I know. Uh, so you read the Aeneid, and I'll edit the podcast. That's a fair division of labour, right? <laughs> Is it? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, I also have to read Sabres of Paradise, which I haven't bought yet, but I'm going to. But yeah, I mean, I think I made a note that, I think you said this as well. This is the first cha- chapter that takes place on Arrakis, um, but we don't go outside. No, we don't. Um, we don't even see outside. We don't even get to look outside. Um, and Jessica mentions something about outside, but not very much at all. Because Crank is keeping keeping all this back, yeah. and they're completely shielded from outside because of their you know their position as noble born. Exactly. I mean, it's like really. Yeah. It's a it's a good narrative technique in that you have to keep something away from people. Yeah. Yeah, and it sort of it kept that tension from Paul being scared about moving away that I felt really strongly the first time I read those chapters where he was thinking about it and people were preparing for it. Uh, I like how um, we didn't actually talk about the bull. We mentioned the bull, but uh, shout out Mapes! Shout out Mapes wants to clean the bull because it is covered in encrusted blood. Um, and then Jessica's like, "No, you shouldn't. That is the Duke's lifeblood um, that killed. You know, he gored him to death with his horns, uh, and we we've, we've got to keep it." And Mapes is like, "Gross." Well, Mapes isn't like gross. Mapes is like, oh, okay, because Mapes is so used to blood. Because death is so, death is so like immediately close to the fremen. It's a fact mm. of their everyday lives. Um, it's mm. sort of everything they do is kind of centered around the idea that they could die quickly at any at any point. <laughs> yes. So you know, Mapes is kind of chill with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get the emphasis of the the phrase "the body's water" being blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the, the primacy Take of the water, water in Arakian society, the water of my life. And you know, then mate sort of sings to the bull and is like, "Ah, oh, killed an old, killed an old duke, did ya? I love her. Killed an old duke, did ya? Oh, kill a little duke. Did a kill a little duke? Um, so there's that. Um, and then, and then the final, the final, the parting shot of the chapter. Is that you know Jessica is like oh I've got to see Paul and she runs away, um and then Mapes sort of looks looks at her, her retreating back and she says she is the one all right, poor thing, <laughs> which I thought was so good. I know, which I found really interesting. I was like, ooh, nice chapter end. Yeah, because you know even though Jessica sees sees through this as you know like a, a machination of the the missionary protective her um mapes is the one who really knows what's going to happen to jessica and how fucked up it's going to be so you know jessica doesn't have all of the upper hand which i just think is fabulous and i wonder I think to what extent the um the legends dropped by the benegesser do actually come true to mm. what extent do they like determine things that actually happen, or sort of accidentally or intentionally predict things that are going to happen, or are they just vague enough that they can be applied to any situation? Yeah. And we don't know at this point. Who knows? But from from Ma- from Mapes's reaction and from what does happen to Leto and then Jessica, it's like, well, something bad does happen. And to what extent did the did the legend predict that? There we go. Do you have a one of the week? 
I do have a worm of the week. Um, it is a boring worm, um, but I had to think of it on short notice. Um, and uh, my worm of the week is uh, worm, which is uh, worm that is spelt W-Y-R-M. Ah, worm! Um, which is um, uh, a huge limbless and wingless serpent. Extremely uh, good, I love it. Uh, which also, I mean, its wings? is it flying without wings? It's flying without. I'm worms. so glad. Thank you. Um, your 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 Munganda, your Munganda, the Midgard serpent. That's a worm. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's borrowed officially. Wiki, Wiktionary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wiktionary says that um, it's borrowed from the old English worm and it's a doublet of worm with an O which was inherited, didn't say from whom but uh, yeah, so I mean it's reabsorbed back into the language by nerds Cool. is essentially what the, this is saying it's a nerd word, the nerds um, and I like that the, the etymology of the worm of the word worm with an O uh, on Wiktionary is, is great uh, is? because it gives all the variant spellings of worm you can spell it with an O, with an E, with a U, with an I, or with a, with a Y. Um, and, That's pretty uh, nice. That's pretty it's good. <laughs> Indo-European cognates include Latin vermis, Lithuanian varmus, Albanian... It's got two R's, I-M-E. Rhyme. Rhyme. Yes, rhyme. Uh, ancient green romos. Uh... Uh, and yeah, that's it's pretty good. cool. It's nice. I like that. It's lovely. Great. Uh, also, you know, O Worm. O Worm. Uh, and O Worm, O W Y R M, which I think was used in some sort of medieval fantasy akin. Uh, cool. Uh, so, yes, Worm with a Y. My Worm of the Week is the Hungry Gatherer, um, icon of my childhood. Um, representative of my truest self um the worm that just won't quit and also has legs um he eats and eats and eats and eats and so do i and i respect it um bastion of like creativity and visuals of my childhood extremely iconic design um beautiful illustration we love that chunky worm yes um Venerate, we venerate the very hungry caterpillar. I love the very hungry caterpillar. Sometimes you just have to eat, 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 and not stop. That's what you do sometimes. Until you get very big and become a butterfly. That's what ha- that's what happens. And be beautiful. Yes. So much of that is just imprinted on my flipping I know. hippocampus. It's good. Like just all the textures of the the plant and the way and that the, the pears are, the strawberry. Yeah. And it's really it's a really beautiful piece of art that book. So good. It's good. I f- it's really good. I feel emotional about the very hungry caterpillar. Right? Oh god. It's good. Thank you, hungry caterpillar. Who's it by? Did you know that it, it has been endorsed by the Royal Entomological Society? <laughs> cool. That's an accurate depiction of uh various uh life stages of Lepidoptera. It's cool it's by someone called Eric Carl and I'm looking at the caterpillar again and I love him so much. It's just such a wonderful caterpillar design. I love his little feet. I love the textures on his body. I love his little hairs and his cute eyes and his two little bunny ear antennas. He's great. I love the very hungry caterpillar. 
Do you know, on June the 3rd, this year, it will be 60 years old. How did you say June the 3rd? No, not 60, 50. Ha ha ha. Sorry? Did you say June the 3rd? Jokes? No, I didn't say June the 3rd. Did I say June the 3rd? No, you didn't. I was... Jokes. Anyway, that's interesting. It's It's, an old book, It was published in 1969. Wow. And it looks so modern. And the very hungry caterpillar always made me want to eat fruit. The very hungry caterpillar. The very hungry caterpillar. I'm the very hungry caterpillar. And just, it's such beautiful art. It's really gorgeous. I really, I really like it very much. I love, I love it. And I love the fruits and I want to eat them. Oh. Oh. Are you the spice or the worm? Today, I am the spice. I am the spice of life. I am the worm of the ground <laughs> that's me well done we got through it okay we finally recorded this episode yes uh, we did on it. the third try yeah all right anyway good, good podcast i guess good actually podcast. this one was bad but we'll do better next time well we did a good one yesterday so i think we it's all right it. yeah i'm really looking forward to nora's episode keep keep your eyes on the feed keep everybody. your eyes on the feed and your ears open and oh twitching around and i forgot to say um, you can follow us at university on twitter.com. It's a good, it's a good, we do good tweets sometimes. Um, if you want to talk to us, if you have questions, if you want to send us messages, um, you can DM us or you can send them to university at gmail.com. Um, hopefully we'll have like a listener question section at some point. If we have enough listeners really who listen to yeah, us. If we have like things that people have said to us, I think that would be really nice. Um, yeah, tell tell people about us if you like our podcast. Um, and you yeah. don't mind people, us getting extremely wrong most facts about Dune. Facts? Facts. Who needs them? <laughs> exactly. Okay, end of podcast. Beautiful. Goodbye. Came up and I took it to my yard and I wrapped it up. A member of the Juju Nation.